Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My guest today is Jeremy Lang. So Jeremy is a longtime buddy of mine. We first met back in like 2000, 2001, uh, back in my hometown of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, of course, both of us actually grew up in small towns, but we ended up uh, connecting and meeting there because of hockey. And over the years, you know, we, we, you know, spent a lot of time together actually playing hockey, lots of partying, lots of hanging out, that type of thing. But around 2008, 2009, when I was going through my entrepreneurial transition of like really trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do and just honing my skills in the social world and the online space, websites, just everything to do with digital. Jeremy was, was going down his own path. So he was somebody that grew up in a farming type community. He, his dad drove him around. And one night he remembers seeing these fields on fire and asked his dad about the straw fields that were on fire. And Little did he know that it would actually spark an idea for a company, an ultra successful company that this day is creating massive impact on the world. It's called Pila. And Jeremy and I talked about that journey of the idea of what Pila could become without even knowing what it would become right now, which is this, you know, multi-million dollar company that's creating massive change in the world around sustainability and you know, reusing the products and recycling the products that we actually use in our everyday lives. But he spoke about the personal journey, the time when he went and got his business registration papers, but didn't tell anybody because he didn't want anybody to talk him out of it. The time that he realized that he needed to build a business around this idea that he had and didn't know where to start. And then all of the fears that came up around it. He even spoke very vulnerably and honestly about the experience of work-life balance and, and how you know he really leaned into his work, even through some really painful times. And you know I won't spoil what we ultimately talked about because I want you to hear it from his words, but he just really spoke from the heart about what this journey has meant to him and the ups and the downs and the everything in between. And I think what anybody that's listening to this will appreciate is that this is the truth. So if you want to know what it's like to have an idea to have a spark inside of you that says, I feel like I want to follow this down a path. I want to start a business. I want to be an entrepreneur. It takes a certain sacrifice. The real story of what actually took somebody from idea to a $10 million plus company that will far exceed even that in the years to come is a lot of bumpy roads. But, and you'll see in the conversation that I have with Jeremy, it's one that you have to face with extreme gratitude for every single experience along the way. So this was a really just two friends having a conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And I'm going to be sure to link up all of these resources that me and Jeremy talked about, including Pila, as well as this new product that they created that is going to revolutionize the way that people um, you know, compost their food and the impact that that's going to have on the environment. So I won't spoil it for you. Make sure you watch the whole interview so that you can find out more. So let's go give it a listen. Jeremy Lang, welcome to my show, my friend. So good to Crazy. see you again. 
Happy to be here. <laughs> Congratulations yes. on the show too. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. You're working in your superpowers. You've always been an amazing listener and uh, really good at encouraging people and coaching people. So, and have a big heart. So I think you're, it's awesome to see. Good I job. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I've worked a lot in the last year on receiving because <laughs> in the past I might've heard that and been like, yeah, yeah, it's what mm-hmm. I do, you know, like mm-hmm. it's all good, but no, I appreciate the feedback on that. It means a lot. And, and I agree. It's, it's something that when I started it at the start of the year, I had the idea and then I kind of sat on it for about four months for multiple reasons, including indecision and fear of failure and imposter yeah. syndrome and, you know what I mean? Just all the overthinking mm-hmm. that a person does. But when I finally landed on what it's intended to be, which is, you know, I have these great conversations and have amazing people in my life. And why shouldn't I share these? These stories not only help and impact the people that listen, but also the people that come on here and talk about stuff where they can share what the journey has been like, you know, yeah. and you. It totally is. And it is for me too. I actually did an episode talking about how uh, podcasting is healing, like just being able to say out loud and be heard yeah. and be seen and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. Once you get started, it's almost uh, addictive. So I don't yeah. see myself stopping anytime soon. No, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. I was getting a kick of when you guys were talking, when you're talking about the name, I thought maybe you'd use Dusty Johnson's uh, <laughs> straight cow. <laughs> No bull show. <laughs> the no bull show. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I actually played around with like the word truth and like and then I was like, maybe it should be the truth or and no bull show. <laughs> and I sat with that for about a day and then I was like, mm, no, nah, oh, it sounds a little straight like, cow. <laughs> straight cow show. That's awesome. <laughs> that would be a pretty epic name too. Mm-hmm. Hey, the beautiful part is is that I can change it anytime I That's want. Right. Because I'm the owner, founder, chief floor sweeper. I do all. For sure. You can do it all. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want. But yeah, man, I've been looking forward to chatting with you because one, it's been been a while since we actually connected. So it's just good to see you. Yeah. Um, But two, also, you know, just in that context of um, storytelling, there's a a quote by Brene Brown, which I know you like as well. She she talks about how one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it'll be somebody else's survival guide. Yeah. So that's kind of our grounding piece for mm-hmm. the conversation. It's great. And yeah, I can't wait to introduce you to everyone here too. I would have introduced how I know you and all of that at the start of this show, but um, okay. let's maybe back up to you know the time when we first met, which was like early 2000s. And I don't know if we were ever in school together, but we were connected through hockey. I know that for sure. But do you remember the first time we met? I do. I do. I kind of remember playing against you in junior, but I remember when for some reason, and I do remember it, we were, it was in the adult safe during university and we were going to provincials and we were on a bus together or something. And, you know, when I said that when I think of you, like, I remember you were totally present and listening and caring. I remember that feeling. I do. And you've always supported me in that. Like, day one of Pilo, you were the first one that actually, like, actually kind of got it and believed in what I could do and, like, encouraged <laughs> me to do that. So, I mean, like, that, seeing you now doing this, um, I just think it's so fitting. But it was on the way to Regina when we won Provincials and then went to the most expensive free trip ever for Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was like 2001 or 2000. Yeah, 2000. It was 2000. It's when I finished university. And uh, yeah. But yeah, and probably crossed paths a little bit in university, some mutual friends and hockey stuff and that. But uh, yeah, that was the main standout moment for me. And then, uh, yeah, and then fast forward two years later when you helped me with all the early Pila stuff. Yeah, and that, I definitely want to dig into that too. And <laughs> the fast forward, I just have these flashes of like moments that we have shared and stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. the Metallica concert we went oh, to. Oh, yes. That was That's such a right. good time. That was awesome. Like and Pearl Jam. Concert. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, we won't dive too good much stuff. into those no, stories. No, we people that. Yeah. But yeah, like Pila. So like for anybody that doesn't know, um, so Jeremy founded this company called Pila. And it was, what year was that? Like 2010, 2009? Yeah. Two th- yeah. Well, I started Open Mind Developments in 2007. We can get into that story a little bit. But the very, then did R&D at the U of S, but the very first Pila case was launched in 2011. And then I think that's 2011, 2012 is kind of when you helped him with the website and all that stuff and everything. Like everything, setting up Gmail and like yeah. totally. Jerry Lynn and I like, oh my God, you're giving us the tutorials and... <laughs> uh, you were very patient with us. So thank you for that, but helped us get to the next step. Right. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the important story to tell here as well as some of the backstory of what ultimately led you to even just create it. But I remember that time too. And, and I had been in entrepreneurship since like 2004 or so and stumbled my way through it and had mentors and stuff along the way and didn't really even know what the hell I was doing, but just kind of you know, I don't want to say faked it till I made it because I had a lot of guidance along the way, Yeah, but I definitely had certain skill sets that I think were very um, useful at that time with where you were at, because you had an idea, you had some inspiration that was rooted in a story that I've heard you tell before about like driving around with your dad mm-hmm. in the truck over yes. in the, uh, it wasn't Yorkton. Where It was from where, Regina to Yorkton. It was in his Regina. old, big old white Buick. <laughs> Yeah, on the maybe, highway. yeah, maybe, uh, maybe just share that, that story because for people that don't know, like Pila started as essentially this company that had a mission to, um, turn flax straw and these biopolymers into something useful and it ended yeah. up being a, a case. And this was the stuff that we worked together, but maybe give everybody the backstory of sure. like, like why, how does somebody even come up with that? Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So, you know, right now we do everyday products without everyday waste. That's our mission, but it started with. Yeah, when I was 10 years old, you know, we're driving down the highway in dad's like 1977 Buick floating down the highway going from on the literally, prairies, those literally floating there. and it's harvest time and it's probably, this, you know, it's starting to get dark out. See the, we could see the horizon was like, it was glowing orange and we came out of the Capel Valley and I saw these big fields on fire. And the reason I remembered, cause I, it was like an eerie feeling, like I'd never seen that before. And uh, so I said to dad, hey, dad, what's going on? They said, well, the farmers, they, you know, they grow the flax for the oil seed and the fiber, the straw that's left over, there's fiber in it and it's really strong and it gets caught in their equipment. So they burn it. So I said, well, if it's that strong, it must be good for something. And he said, well, maybe when you get older, you can think of something. So just thinking about the power, I'm even digging into this a little bit more, but just little glimpses of, I don't know, belief. Like dad didn't say, hmm. Like he just, he kind of said, oh, put plant in the seed that, hey, maybe I could think of something like that type of thinking. And um, 
yeah, I don't know if you wanted me to tell the whole story now, Trevor, but I can kind of, that's kind of the, the, we wanted to use waste, this waste material, how can we use it? What can I use it for? And that kind of planted the seed, uh, you know, just thinking about what can we use this material for? Yeah. And then I'll maybe like lead you into that, but yeah. so you went to school, went to university, got an yeah. engineering degree, I believe. Right? Uh, agriculture, soil science, oh, agriculture. And environmental science. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, but worked with an engineering company, I believe. So you had a little bit of kind of mix between your yeah. background and education and the engineering side of things. So, you know, just to give everybody the full context of what like led you to this idea then. So yeah, sure. maybe share kind of like how it all came together in like yeah. 2008, 2009. Yeah. So I worked as an environmental consultant for actually 17 years and I was on the climbing the corporate ladder. Like when I was 28, I got in, put into a leadership position and I was like, I think I was the youngest leader in company history. So leading people who were my parents' age. And that was good. And it was good. It wasn't great. But I mean, it was good. Doing what I thought, society, you got to climb the corporate ladder. But I had this, I always wanted to start a company. Like it was just in my head. And uh, I remember we went on vacation in uh, 2007 when Cole was born. And Jerry Lynn had bought me a book uh, on, uh, it was a greatness guide. Uh, by Robin Sharma. And that's kind of when I really started digging on working on self-work. And there was a line in it. Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, hell on earth is being on your deathbed and meeting the person you could have become. Yeah. That was like kind of the kick in the butt to get going. Like, so that's when I'm like, okay, one screw quote, it. Hey? One quote. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, screw it. I'm going to start a company and I'm going to call it open mind developments open mind for a different view. Nothing else matters getting yeah. back to Metallica. And yeah. I didn't have a product in mind, but I wanted to look at things with an open mind differently. So started looking and I didn't even go to like, you know, Richie Gabrook or buddy. I didn't go to lawyers. I did it all online. Cause I didn't want people to talk me out of it. Mm. Right. It was so anyway, started open mind developments, got the thing home. I remember got it in a box, like all the certificates and like <laughs> the Jerry then like, okay, now we just got to figure out how to get this thing to make money. <laughs> yep. But anyway, fast yep. forward looking 2008, we're on Chris, uh, on vacation in Kauai. So when there's beautiful secluded beach and digging in the sand with Cole, who was a year and a half at the time, our son, and, and there were little pieces of plastic everywhere. And that bothered me. I'm like, who would litter on this beautiful beach? Like getting back to gut feelings, like made me feel sick. Like, why would yeah. you do that? And then when we got back, I learned about, um, you know, the Pacific gyre and plastic and all that stuff and wanted to find another solution. And that's how we got it to R&D and, and led to the Pila case. But that's it. That's the story real quick. Yeah. And then when we got connected talking about mm-hmm. this, and I can't even, I think we were just buddies. So obviously we were just talking about mm-hmm. stuff. And at some point you were sharing about what you were doing and you were building prototypes and had all kinds of secret stuff going on. and. Yeah. But I remember you sharing these with me and there was just things that like for me just clicked where I was like, oh, like marketer brain would kick in. And then also I remember, I think you did some of your production at uh, Dave Zielinski's uh, shop there for That's a while right. too, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we ended up doing engraving there, but the very first, That's uh, right. we did the injection molding at uh, Innovation Place with Bernie, That's who right. we, he yeah. moved to Kelowna and manufacturing there. And yeah, it's amazing. And then the the early days of of Pila, obviously taking it from an idea and this product, um, and really leaning into the thing that you know your schooling, your education, your passion was actually around. Now you had to jump into like building a business around it, creating a brand, 
getting the message out there, that type of thing. And that was the area that um, not just me, but also Shar really played a big yeah. part in as well. And I remember at that time, like it was still so new, like people were definitely socially conscious and environmentally conscious, but not nearly at the level as it is today. No. And it probably has a lot to do with just the, you know, the social world and just how much video there is and education and information there is out there. But I think what always struck me was that like you had a vision for this before it was what it is now. I remember you talking about this, what exists now, like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And I, you know, what maybe sparked that for you too? Was it, was it also this, you know, reading different things like the personal work? Like, how do you go from being somebody that has this thing that you remember as a kid, these burning fields to an idea and then maybe kind of in a shy way, taking out an incorporation booklet and not wanting to tell anybody because you don't want somebody to talk you out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me about that experience of like the learning curve of self improvements and self-development and that type of thing. And what you went through and the highs and the lows and everything in between. You know, being curious, I think that's another thing. My dad always like curious how do things work and like how, and that was a big part of, you know, the whole learning about, and then, you know, learning about the materials and how to do it and always just keep going, persistence, you work hard, like all of that stuff was uh, just, I think it's just in our nature, you know, especially on the prairies, even more so that hardworking mindset, you know, and then just the sustainable, I've always thought sustainable solutions, it's just smart. Like I remember some university classes just talking about sustainable farms and it's almost like the same as, I don't know, the biggest little farm like that everything's tied together and nature and mimicking nature. So that's kind of, and how unnatural plastics are like everything in nature goes in cycles. I mean, like goes back to the earth, whereas plastic is a linear progression. It keeps building and building and building and, and then getting back to, you know, just, you know, things that you'd give your head a shake over, like, you know, recycling's broken, less than 10% actually gets recycled. Like, so we're making these things that everyone says it's recycled, but doesn't actually get recycled you know, that type of thing, or you keep your phone for two years, you have the case to protect it lasts for hundreds or thousands of years. Right. And it won't be recycled. That's just like over-engineered or ridiculous. So like doing, uh, you know, doing things to make that change. And yeah, I don't know how deep we want to go into the struggles, but if you want to hit the highs or the lows, but (laughs) as deep as you want to go, man, there, there's obviously many layers to all of this stuff. You know, I, I just Mm -hmm. think back to like, I'll I'll give you maybe one piece and then you can riff off of from here. But like, I remember you talking about this in like 2009, 2010, and we start working together. And then like you say, like, I'm helping you with emails and I'm helping you with a website and there's funding and grants and all of these things. And then as we were starting to put, the message out into the world, there was a need for um, video content. And I still, yes. I've shared this video oh, with, or a, a picture with you, where we went oh, out to gosh. Stanley Park, right? Yes. And we had this oh. set up. Uh, we had our buddy Michael Askey with us too, and he had the camera and the microphone and stuff. And I just remember, and you actually joked about it. You're like, oh man, I was sweating bullets. So nervous. <laughs> so, so nervous. nervous. Yeah. But now, like, and obviously 10 years later, like, here we are, right? We're mm-hmm. having this conversation mm-hmm. now, whereas 10 years ago. So maybe just speak to that, though, like, where it was like, okay, this is real. Now what? Oh, shit, I got to get on camera. I got to speak about this mission, this vision. You got to communicate it. What was coming up for you then? You know, I think a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, being almost uh, like kind of like a people pleaser. You know, not mm. don't want to ruffle any feathers, don't want to put myself out there. 
that type of thing. And I remember hearing the, the courage to be disliked. All I can do is control what I do. I'll go show up. I'll try and be nice and kind and friendly and all that stuff. If someone sees something and they don't like me, that's their problem, man. Like, yeah. Thinking about that. And then, and then, you know, even seeing, you know, what find things that motivate, motivated me. Like, it's not just about me. It's about, oh, maybe I can inspire my children to think how to go after their dreams and, you know, get in front of the camera. And I can say, oh, I used to be really nervous on camera, but I'm getting actually better at it. And you know what I mean? I see the value, like that type, it gets back to the story you tell yourself on that. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just more just having to do it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting when you, you know, you think about the first team in any business is your family, right? right. And what they go through. And, mm. and for how many years did I put Pila first over the family? And then and the then family I, got enrolled into it, right? Jerry yeah. Lynn. Oh, yeah, for sure. Notes. Everything. That. that was like crazy. It was, yeah, I think we know we have, you know, well over a million customers now, but like 2018, we we're still pretty much out of the basement. So like from 2011 to 2018, yeah. it was pretty much Jerry Lynn and the kids and, you know, you guys helping out and we had an employee, but it was full-time work and, and uh, well, it's a story of every entrepreneur, but it's like weekends, evenings, early mornings, work a full-time job. Uh, vacation time was all Piva. And I was just thinking back on, uh, I think you know a little bit about the story, but you've shared your story. But like, so from 2008 for five years, we had six miscarriages and we had IVF failed three times. And when I look back on that, I think the business was a way for me to bury my head and, and not be there. You know what I mean? Like, yep, that's how I dealt yeah. with it. And looking back now, it's just like, oh my God. And then we moved five times, like trying to make more money flipping houses, rentals in five years, my poor wife and kids, what I put them through. And, you know, so now looking back at it, the, the, uh, what's best for my family is the main guiding principle <laughs> right now in my life. So, and trying to, you know, be the, you know, extraordinary father, husband, friend, and, but it's daily work, man. Yeah. So, Anyway, when you look back at what drives you and what motivates you, what keeps you going, and sometimes it's not always a good thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you telling that story. I honestly forgot about that. I really did, man. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's interesting when you bring that up because I actually just did another interview before this too. And I was asking that friend of mine who has a kid now that's just over a year old, and talked about fatherhood and how it's just so incredible and how him and his wife are just committed to like being the example for their kids, you know, as opposed to telling them what to do or like yes. setting them on this path. And, right. you know, you need to play this sport because daddy mm -hmm. did, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then I actually shared with him because we hadn't talked for like seven years. And I shared with him that like he knew my vision like seven years ago, which was to have kids and me and Char just got engaged when I met him. And he, I don't think he even knew the fact that we had lost two kids in preterm birth as well and went through all kinds of, you know, treatments and a million different things. And mm -hmm. I, I showed you pictures of our three yeah. and four-year-old boys now. Yeah. And of course, your oldest son is, or your son, your only son, is 14. And how old's your daughter? Yeah. She's eight. So that's the six years apart. And uh, so when I, when I told the story of 2008 in Kauai, so Cole was a year and a half. When we got back is when we had our first miscarriage. And that's when I went, 
you know, and you, um, and then the getting back to just the story you tell ourselves, like as a couple, it was hard, like, and, uh, but we told ourselves this is going to make us stronger. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I, I mean that, and even going through COVID as a company, like we looked as what the team, this is going to make, we're going to come out of this. We're going to be stronger. It's going to be hard, but we're going to be stronger. We're going to come out the other side. We're going to be better. We're going to be a tighter team. Like that type of, that story you tell yourself is so, so key, but it's hard. <laughs> and no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. I think, um, well, it's like you can use a million analogies, right? But like diamonds are, are forged in, in, uh, in pressure, right? In yeah. stone. And, um, there's, there's just so many analogies to that, but a lot of it. And again, I, I, like I say, I, I do these interviews on Fridays because usually I stack them up and they're always one leads to the next. It's, and it's another reason why I do this. Honestly, it's like, yeah, gets me back into conversations with people where I'm talking about things that really matter and that other people need to hear too. Like, Hey, we didn't say entrepreneurship was going to be easy. And if it is, you're probably not trying hard enough or you haven't actually gone through the thing that you're supposed to go through yet to get to that other side. You know? Right, yeah. And the minute that you think like, I made it, usually something comes and just kicks you right in the side and you're blindsided until you get into that headspace of like, oh, wait, this is actually the human experience. It's actually enjoying all aspects of the highs and the lows and knowing that it's part of the journey and not being too attached to anything. Cause I know for me, and um, maybe you want to speak to this, but like when we lost our two kids, it was devastating. And I remember like four years later, Shar and I went through a program called the overview method with Dr. Nima Romani. And, and he had us look at it from a perspective of duality, right? Where we knew that, or we hadn't really looked at the perspective of like, if we didn't lose these kids, we wouldn't have these other kids. We kind of looked at it, but we never really looked at it. And then the other side of it though, too, and you already kind of alluded to it was like, I shamefully felt like I wasn't actually ready for kids anyways. So when I lost, when we lost those first two kids, there was almost a sense of relief and I felt a lot of shame over that man for a long time because I was like, how could I possibly feel that, you know? Wow, but yeah. then I dive into work and I had a choice. I'd be like, I can feel guilty for diving into the work or I can really just honor what I truly felt, which was like, man, I just didn't feel ready for whatever reason. And that's, that is what it is, you know? Yeah. And just owning that, right? Just saying it out loud is, is kind of freeing to say it, knowing that. I would love to have had those two kids, but it wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. Mm-hmm. Well, even like uh, just identity stuff too. Of, you know, I've heard you talk about, and I, I've, I've gone through it a few times and I think it's a lifelong journey of like your old self or like shedding that. You could probably say it better, but it clicked into me like, no, I'm a hockey player. Or I'm a corporate ladder climber. Or I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Or I'm equal this, but. You know, and that how that changes and like chipping away at stuff and, and, uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> anyway, I, that, thanks for sharing that, Trevor. I don't want to, it's like, oh my God, I'll be a puddle here right away if we can talk about it anymore. <laughs> but it's like, but I mean, it, uh, I don't know what to say. It's, it's not easy, right? I mean, like you go through it and it's like the old saying, that, I can't remember who it was, and it was Eleanor Roosevelt, when you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> It's hard, man. But like, yeah, it's, but it makes you, and not that we didn't appreciate, 
we've always been grateful, but it just makes you even more grateful, right? And I think that's one of the biggest blessings that that uh, you know. Every time we maybe get a little frustrated or impatient with the kids, I just bite my lip and like, be grateful, man. Like that's a that's a lifelong lesson. So, yeah, yeah. Well. We, we can move on to the, some other topics here too, but I appreciate <laughs> you even diving as far as you mm-hmm. did in that too. Cause it's, it's important for people to hear that, right? Like it's yeah. not, a lot of times people see, you know, like Pila right now is a, is an extremely successful company, like financially wise, mm-hmm. impact wise, mm-hmm. job creation wise, culture wise. But like it's, it started with you and an idea and you and your wife yeah. sacrificing and writing handwritten written letters at the, ta- at the kitchen yeah. table yeah, yeah. on holidays. Like that's the real story, you know, mm-hmm. that people ultimately I think need to know. But getting back to the kind of the driving force around the just uh, environmental impact side of it. One of the interview that I actually just published today at the time of us recording this was with a uh, friend of mine who I met through this, this men's group that gets together every Monday on a Zoom call. And it's just a space to like share and just be seen, heard and just mm-hmm. show up, you know. But he's actually a sea captain and he um, he's actually been uh, stuck, not against his will. He could leave, but he's in New Zealand because the 70-foot sailing boat that he was on that is uh, a research boat stop there, COVID hit, and they haven't been able to leave since because if he leaves, he can't come back because New Zealand literally shut down, right? right? Yeah. But he talked about how like he's been um, sailing his entire life. His mom was a sailor. Uh, He's been on these boats for like 20 years doing research around um, alternative energy sources through microbes in the water. So he's been testing waters. And he told me the story about um, sailing through the South Pacific garbage patch and how like from his own recollection, he's like, you can't even fathom it. He says, you, you look as far as you can see and all you see is horizon. There's no land and it's just garbage. It's just plastic, like 95% plastic. And he says, you hear it banging up against the boat and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you see the same thing for another day. Wow. He said, Three full days of sailing through nothing but garbage. And you can't even like, visualize that until you start seeing these documentaries and stuff coming out, like Seaspiracy and even An Inconvenient Truth. And like, there's so many different things. And he actually referenced a, a, a site called Project Drawdown. Have you heard of Project Drawdown? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just another educational platform. They support a lot of different initiatives and stuff too. But Anyways, I guess what I'm saying is like, this is a big deal. Like what you ultimately, I think were driven to try and create change around 10 years ago. And now your company is making a major dent in that. And um, you want to maybe speak to what Pila has ultimately evolved into and, and your involvements and journey. Yeah, yeah. Too? yeah, absolutely. The one thing that, you know, there's an old First Nations, First Nations saying, we are the people we've been waiting for. Mm. And as, you know, I'll, I want to talk about my partners, but what, as we go and like, no, you know, you, I, I don't know, you just kind of assume, like, well, there's a magical group of people out here who are going to make change, changes in the world. <laughs> like, well, don't worry about it. They got it. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> it's us. They doesn't exist. No, yeah. that's right. So, I mean, that's something that we think about a lot. And, um, anyway, you know, getting back to 2015 is when we, 
Jalen are like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like, it's all Pila. Like, it's just kind of going like this. And uh, so I started working with a coach. And I spent, I applied to this entrepreneur thing. I realized I needed help. So strengths and weaknesses, what am I good at? Where do I need help? Like self, the, you know, I think the, the, the more we come our true selves and work on our strengths and weaknesses, the better people we become and also the better businesses or the better community member or the better team member, like father, husband, all that stuff. So um, I spent the last $10,000 in open-minded developments and apply, got into this event, which was the MMT event. And it was in Napa That's Valley. Right. Yeah. 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 And in the end, like 7,000 anymore, are they? They're not. Just they're kind of like, down, right? uh, Jason, uh, Gaynard is on our, uh, he's on our board of advisors as well. So he, they still do it, but n- not live events like for a while, yeah. but still part of the community. Yeah. But anyway, you know, putting, talk about putting your heart on the line and being authentic and vulnerable. Like I basically applied there, you know, hundred, they had 7,000 applicants. They only select like 700 people. And it's not just based on your net worth. It's based on your values kind of, and you got to be like a good person and just said, I need help. Like, here's what I believe in. I need help getting there. Anyway, got into the event and, uh, you know, at first, you know, finding your, your group or your team or your tribe, like that type of thing. The first night I got there, I remember thinking like, man, I don't belong here. Like I called Jerry Lynn and I was breaking down. I'm like, these guys are like, how their businesses are like doing this and that. And, and uh, I'm like, just like, you know, upset kind of. And then uh, anyway, stayed there for and got, got to know a lot of people and found out that, Hey, this is, these are people who can speak like the way I'm thinking and the way I'm feeling and get vulnerable. And, and uh, so anyway, by the end, it was a big change. And that's where I met Matt, who's our CEO and uh, Brad, our chairman was also there. So so I knew how to make the product. I didn't know how to market it, right? I didn't know how to scale it. So Matt got brought him in as a partner and we brought on Brad as our, Brad knew how to scale it. So th- talking about, and now when we look at it, like, and then, you know, uh, you know, Matt started investing in marketing, all that stuff. And in 2017, 2018 is when we started to pick up some steam. 2019, we took on venture capital. Like that's when it really grew, grew, grew. But I think the biggest change, and I think when I'm thinking back, to you believing in me or my dad believing in me, or my wife, and then like opening up and being external and saying, I need help. And then when I met Matt and he's, when it went from, I've got this to we've got this and someone else saying, Oh yeah, like you, you can do that. We can start a website. You can sell on the website. And Matt saying, Oh, you want to take it to here? Oh yeah, I've done that. And we can do that. And you know, Brad's like, Oh, you want to make, you know, millions and millions of pieces of products. I can know how to do that. I've done, that. you know, that, that belief and then you get more and more team members believing in your mission and like and you set this the the north star i think is what's been a big part of it too like we set our you know we want to create a everyday products with everyday waste create a waste-free future we want to eliminate a billion pounds of waste a year by 2028 we set that goal in 2018 and that's how we kind of evolved into other products and and uh but i think those are all key things just north star but teamwork be number one. I think a lot about like from team sports, you know, like we've all played with hockey players who are unbelievable scorers, right? And they're not very good at defense, but we keep them on forward or you don't put Wayne Gretzky in that and like having people play their roles and all dig the puck out of the corner and well, you can't score, but you, you can, <laughs> but some, you know what I mean? But like that type of thinking. So anyway, that's kind of, and then, um, yeah, but now, you know, some of the things I'm most proud of is we've, We've donated over five hundred thousand dollars to nonprofits that help to clean up beaches. Uh, we've 
you know, eliminate over 500,000 pounds of waste. So we're a long way off from a billion, but I mean, just by having a more sustainable alternative and just even the environment that we've created where teams, people can, we're trying to create the most sustainable business, not just environmentally and socially sustainable, but a business where people can actually be themselves and chip away at the freaking society who what thinks you're supposed to be and uh, just left it you know, become our true selves and, you know, dress how you want to dress and be creative, be authentic, you know, and that type of magic, like, I mean, just try and create that environment that creates that type of magic to keep growing. It's, yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. Well, and it's, uh, you've, you summed it up in like six minutes there, but the truth is, is like each one of those steps takes courage, right? It takes, and it takes you step, at least I can speak for my own self too. And you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but every time I've started a venture, I reflect on past decisions and maybe things that didn't go so well. And then, and then I've, I've seen how it's like handcuffed me into making the next decision. I was like, oh, better not take on a partnership because the last one didn't go well. And this one probably will do the same thing. Like until I got mentors that said, like, why do you believe that to be true? Like, Right. You realize, like, I remember somebody saying to me when uh, I, in fact, I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast, but in university, I had an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial course, right? It was like one of two electives that I could take or whatever. And we had the idea, we called it Quick Bites. And it was essentially online ordering system for food where we deliver it. It's, it's yeah. skip the dishes. It's yes. Uber Eats. Yeah. It's, and this was in 2002, Right. <laughs> right. And I remember telling this story and kind of joking about it. It's like, oh, there's my multi-million dollar idea. And I remember a mentor saying to me like, oh, you got one of those? Like, that's a rite of passage. If you've got a handful of those stories, it's just what are you going to do about it, right? Because the next time you have that idea and you don't take a step out of your comfort zone to align with, because like these partners that you found ultimately took you to a place that like, where I was at in my business, where my core skill set was, like I couldn't do what those guys did. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, but it takes courage, though, doesn't oh, my it? Like, God. To actually, so trust much you don't know other that. people and yourself, even. Yeah, and that's your baby that you put your blood, sweat, and tears in. Exactly, and yeah. now, you know, giving them a piece, and but it's trust. I don't know. Like those are some of the. They really were some of the toughest times. Like you, then you start thinking, oh my God, are they trying to screw me? Like, you know, you, like, you don't know, but you, you trust someone until you can't, right? And you can, I think it's an old Einstein quote, but you can go through the world too. You, either the world is out to get you or it's a beautiful place. <laughs> like those are, that's how you can look at it. So, and you trust someone until you can't. And, you know, we did a lot of work up front. Like we did how to, like character traits, values, made sure all that matched ahead of time. What are your roles going to be? Like what it, you know, now it's kind of now we look at it as, you know, I'm the heart, Matt's the brains and Brad's the muscle, but that's how we look at it. And you can't, what you can't, yeah, you can go so far with brains. You can go so far with muscle. You can go so far with heart, but you can go way farther when you have all three of those working together and complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses. So, but um, yeah, that's the, and it's, you know, it's like, uh, I think a business, it's like raising a child. You put all your love and care into it, but one day, if they want to go see the world and change the world, they got to leave the house <laughs> and you got to get other people involved and like, <laughs> can't keep them in the basement. <laughs> it's a good analogy. Every, <laughs> every piece of that. Yeah. And, and you're still in it, right? It's like, it's, yeah. 
And I don't think it ever ends. Like in, even parenthood, like you're kind of referencing in that context, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got a teenager now, I've got three and four year olds. And I would imagine that if I asked you now, do you remember what it was like at three and four and what those, how fast did that go for you? Oh, those 10 it's years? crazy. I remember. I, yeah. So quick. Like, and it's, I remember we, uh, Jared and I were in, it was like a grocery store when Cole was maybe two or three. And this lady, older lady came up to him and she talked really nice. And she said, uh, you know, just sharing your thoughts. And she said, you know, the days are long, but the years go fast. <laughs> and it's so true, especially when they're early. You know what I mean? And it's almost Trevor, when you think about like, actually, I remember thinking about this, like business. And if you look at the long road and pick away the compound effect, a little bit of work every day, well, 10 years is going to go by whether you're working on your dream or you're not. Like, I mean, it's going to go by like that. So like, if you have a few hours a day and you have something you believe in and you want to do, if you put a couple hours into it every day over 10 years, you're going to get somewhere. And it's almost like the old saying too, like, you know, the best time to plant the tree was 20 years ago, but the next best time is today. Like those type of right now. Well, you referenced Robin Sharma even Mm -hmm. too. And I think you were the first person that brought his name up to me even too. And it came into my world, but he's got that, uh, 2020, um, philosophy or methodology that he refers to, right? Like 20 minutes of movement, 20 minutes of learning and 20 minutes of reflection, I think is kind Mm -hmm. of three buckets. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I've been perfect at it, but I've definitely tried to incorporate that and uh, am consciously incorporating that into my routine in the morning, getting up earlier, doing that. And it compounds. It really does. Your smallest habits ultimately lead to your greatest successes on the other end. It's just nobody gives you a high five or celebrates the fact that you got up early again. You know? That's right. And yeah, for sure. And it's like the compound effect, which goes both ways. That's a good book by Darren Hardy. But, and you can, yes, I think yeah. we all have buddies or whoever, like you, you can either drink a can of Coke a day and that compounds over 10, 20 years or drink every night or like you can like, no, yeah. on all of a sudden you're going to have, or you can maybe do a few push ups every day or whatever, exercise every day. And over 10 years, I think we all have examples in our lives of, you know, people who've cho- chosen different tracks in life and, and how that can add up. And it's not easy. Another good, that's where I got all these things, but another one yeah. I've been reflecting on is, um, uh, <laughs> hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life, mm. easy choices being, eh, I'm just going to lay on the couch tonight. I'm not going to do any work on this, or ah, I'm going to have an, another couple of beer. Or, ah, I'm not going to exercise today, or I'm not going to write down my goals. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah. I'm going to, whatever, like, Man, yep. those things add up. Hard choices being, I am going to go to the gym. I am going to do this. I'm going to focus on, you know, I'm going to try and get better every day. Like that type of thing. I'm going to journal. I'm going to be grateful. Like that, that adds mm-hmm. up too. But it's a lifelong journey and and uh, by no means have it figured out. But I mean, I think the the name, like you talk about the journey is the important thing. <laughs> That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the pivotal moments, things that I heard back in like 2008, I think it was, was a Gary Vaynerchuk speech or a presentation before he was what he is now. Mm -hmm. He was still speaking on stages, but he didn't have like the following that he does now and the 800 employees and that type of thing. But he actually was on a stage at uh, some tech conference. I can't remember what it was, but this was when the TV show Lost was really popular. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember um, people watching that and just being like addicted to it or fascinated by it. And you can do this for anything like Survivor, you know, the amazing, yeah. any kind of thing yes. where you're like, well, I got to watch Lost tonight, you know? And he actually said that on stage when somebody was asking him about like, hey, how do I get to where you are? And he's like, stop watching fucking Lost. Yeah. And that was it. Exactly. And he just stopped talking. <laughs> yeah. People were like laughing. And then they were kind of like, oh shit, he's serious, you know? Yeah. But it's a great analogy. It's like, I think about, and this is um, just to be clear, I'll say this out loud for people listening. It's like, this is not to say that you need to hustle for 16 no. hours a day and burn yourself out because I did that too. Yeah. And that's not the answer. No. But it's about choice, right? Mm-hmm. It's just about choice, right? It's, um, you know, do you read a chapter of a book or do you watch the sports highlights? Right. Like that's the most obvious example I can think yeah, of. Yeah. I shut down my sports channels years ago. Still enjoy a good game, but. Absolutely. Gonna, yeah. That hustling reminds me of, uh, I don't know, like when, you know, you see runners and like, what are you running from? What are you running mm. from? But then you can flip and say, oh, actually, what are you running to? What are you chasing yeah. down? Like in that, and is it healthy? And like, yeah, that hustle porn stuff or whatever you want to call it like it's you're right it has to be balanced and the one thing that i've found helpful over the years is like and getting back to strengths and weaknesses but like what is best for you what's your perfect day look like because yours is probably different than mine and like how can you get as close as possible to living that perfect day not what society thinks you're supposed to be doing you know what i mean like you know, you have to be CEO or you have to climb the corporate ladder or you have to know what do you want to do? If you could do what was your perfect day look like? And then chipping away to try and get as close as you can to that. And I think you're probably getting closer to it. I am, but it's, uh, yeah, you can't do it alone. And, uh, it's just, uh, and, and every time as we grow and attract better team members, we just get better. It's like building a team, a sports team, better coaches, better GM, better financing better front office better goalies better player i mean like it's just like when you have that mission of chasing the stanley cup you're all that brings you all together and then on a larger scale when i think of pila and like our mission but like and what's happening in the world like if you really want to get cheesy like the planet is really the only thing that we all have in common every single one of us i don't care where you where you're from or what you believe or like that's that i know that sounds cheesy but maybe that's the thing that can bring us all together (laughs) yeah it's so true. I'm actually looking back at the show notes because I, I wrote them last night as I watched back the interview that I did with Cyrus. But one of his quotes were, we are in the middle of a, of the most epic story in history. The people that are alive on this planet right now are going to decide the fate of our species for a thousand years. This generation, that's the story. We are in it. We have a choice to make this an epic tale of redemption and heart and courage to make the right choices. Like there was just so many, man. And we've yeah. already got lots from here yeah, too, yeah, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying that like, I, I totally agree with you on that. And that was something, you know, there's always moments that kind of hit you. And he, we actually referenced this too, that he reminded me, El Gore came out with his um, inconvenient yeah, truth right. in like 2006. And he was saying how like, yeah, it had an impact. Like people were like, oh damn. But did anybody do anything about it? And ultimately, I think what his message was, was that we have to create curiosity around um, differences in our cultures, in our people, in our foods, just a global perspective, Mm -hmm. which creates this um, appreciation for things. Because the things that we appreciate and we love 
we protect. Right. So like the documentaries are incredibly important, but, and of course, Pila and what you're creating for products is important. But I think the thing that really stands out the most of the evolution of Pila is the storytelling, man. Like your guys' videos and the way that you're communicating your vision, like it's epic. It's, it's really, really. No, thanks. I think that's key. I, I remember one of the, a big learning was the most successful businesses are it's 90% marketing and 10% idea. If you have the very best product or idea in the world and no one sees about it, no one knows about it. You got nothing. Right. Or you look at what's the most, what's the most successful restaurant? Well, it's not the Michelin five star. It's McDonald's. It's marketing. It's getting the word out. And I am really excited about just everything you talked about, but business as a force of good. Like if you could provide a more sustainable alternative to a conventional product and customers start to choose that product, well, that's pretty good. I mean, eventually you'll keep growing. And if your competitors are, if you're eating your competitors lunch, <laughs> because you're being more sustainable and good or better, then eventually they're going to have to switch and go out of business. And I know that's a, maybe a, a lofty goal, but I really truly believe that, you know, that's what's exciting about this point in time. Even look at engineer, engineers, we've hired engineers and we're working on, you know, new products, new devices that can really get rid of a lot of waste, like, you know, uh, get rid of uh, design waste out of the human experience. And then, and then I think about like engineers and new grads or whoever marketers, not that, um, you know, it used to be you get out of school and maybe you're an engineer and yeah, it'd be cool. Maybe one day I can design that bridge. But now you're looking at actually maybe I won. Now I can actually engineer something that pulls carbon out of the atmosphere or, you know what I mean? Like that type of thinking or a lot of the, what we're finding is be, because we're mission-based is a lot of our staff, we're getting high, high quality people who could work wherever they want, but now they want to use their skills as a force of good. If I'm going to be putting in this much time, it may as well be, you know, it's something that I believe in. And, and anyway, we're by no means perfect, but we believe in better. And I think that's the most important thing. You saw the first, first Pila case. It was awful, <laughs> right? If we would, if I would have waited for it to be perfect, I'd still be waiting. It's still not perfect, but I mean, you go and you learn and you get better and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course I live in the city where your headquarters are now here yes. in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. And I remember I dropped off some Pila cases because <laughs> yes. I had some OG archives. Yeah, they're hanging up. They're hanging up in the office now. Dude, you better put those in like protective plastic mm -hmm. cases too, because they're literally going to biodegrade, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I have, I like one of the very, I still remember one of the very first Pila cases that came off was that like dark brown one that had the little, uh, you know, flax uh, yes. pieces in it. I still have and that now. one. July 7th, 2011. Very first one <laughs> off the machine. Oh, that one was awesome though, man. It was so, it was so cool and unique looking and people would see it and they'd be like, yeah, what is that? Like, did you mm -hmm. just put a bunch of Play-Doh on your phone? And I was like, no, no, it's a Pila case. <laughs> What's a Pila case? Started the conversation. But to your point though, it like, it, degraded pretty fast back then right it was like peeling yeah. off you'd put yeah it'd be breaking all the pieces and yeah but hey evolution evolve or perish right i think everything that we're talking about is kind of like evolve or perish yeah. personally businesses products you name it it's all the same theme absolutely absolutely so jeremy i've got uh seven questions that i always end every single interview with here okay you've heard them if you've already listened to the i show have yeah 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 
So it's the the power of one uh, lightning round, which you don't need to answer with one word answers, but they okay. all have this theme of like one thing, right? So like, okay. whatever comes to mind for you when I answer, ask the question, just feel free to answer it and elaborate as much as you want. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Scared, but go ahead. <laughs> all right. So first question is, who is one person or mentor that has been the most influential in your life all time? So you can go right back to childhood. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Thinking back on that, when you mentioned it, it is my dad. Like that little bit of mm. just the, it, it's okay to dream big, like that type of thing. And what, that's the last thing I say to my kids every night before bed, <laughs> dream big. And even what's, what's happened with Pig, with Pila and how we've gone and like, and now I'll, I'll say dream bigger. <laughs> like even with Pila, like, are, are we dreaming big enough? Is a billion pounds enough? Like what, why can't we dream bigger? Why, you know what I mean? Like that, that type of thinking, like who's stopping us from dreaming bigger? It's already crazy. Let's get really crazy. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it goes back to your compounding effect, right? Like mm-hmm. right now it might seem unfathomable that you can create the impact that you're talking about, but mm-hmm. like, then you step back and you're like, look at how far the advancement of technology has gone in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Like imagine what that's going to be like in the next 10 in yeah. the next 30. Like, I can't even picture that world. So we'll probably look back at all of these like big, hairy, audacious goals that we've created and been like, oh man, we were playing small. Yeah, exactly. Should have 10x that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good one. I like that. Okay. Second question Who is one person or mentor that is the most influential in your life right now? So somebody that's that you're around frequently at this moment. Hmm. You know, well, Personally, just my wife and kids, being around them and seeing, you know, your kids grow up and go through life and the choices that they make and how you can lead them and or help the things that they teach you, I would say. And then business side is just, uh, you know, my, my two partners. Like, I mean, just the things that they know and the people who they know and all of that stuff. I think, you know, it's the, the old saying is you're the average of the five people you spend your most, the most time with. And I didn't really get that, but it really is true. So that's something to, to think about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also, actually, I want to add on that. The one thing that it really clicked in is when I was at, in my previous career, um, I heard something about, um, well, you know, it just didn't feel right kind of thing, like going into work and kind of feeling sick and wanted to do something else. And then I just heard something recently that I think I would share that would be helpful to everyone. But if you're in a job, and you're, you want to grow your career and the, the people above you, if you don't want to be like them, <laughs> you're probably at the wrong place. Yeah. And that sounds hard, but it can't, it's not maybe a personal thing, but like, if that is, if you don't want your life to be that, I think that's a really, uh, a really good wake up call, but versus, Hey, I want my life to be like that person. And I, I know no one's like, right. No one's perfect. And there are different pieces of, you know, there are different forms of wealth, obviously, and it's not all about money, but it's like, I think if you look at the round that everything and, and living the life that you want to live, I think that's, that's a key thing as well. It's helped a lot for me. Yeah. No, that's a good one. And I, I think to add to that too, I think from the perspective of like, win, win, why can't you have everything? I think a lot of times people think like, if I'm going to sacrifice my career, it means that I need to sacrifice the money that might come with it too. It's kind of like you go down this path of right. being a lawyer and you're like, oh, I don't really want to be a lawyer. I want to be a dancer. And you're like, well, how are you going to make any money being a dancer? Right. It's like, why can't you have both? Why can't you be 
extremely successful and passionate and make lots of money and create massive impact doing exactly what you love. Mm-hmm. And the minute you believe that you can't, you're right. That's right. So you know what I mean? Oh man. So what a, what a mental game is life. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But, and it goes back, I think to like just the possibilities that are opening up in the world that we yes. don't even realize yet, you know, right. like, you know, Pila runs a business. So obviously they have a profit and loss statement and you pay mm-hmm. a certain amount for certain roles and stuff. But like, there's a role that Pila hasn't hired for yet because it doesn't exist. Yeah. They're, you're you're going to hire a, here, we'll actually look back on this one. Maybe I'll be a profit on this. Mm-hmm. You're going to hire a hologram software engineer <laughs> that's going to create whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But somebody has to have the vision of like, I want to go create that and turn it into something, follow your passion and everything else will follow, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's a very, very good point. And an easy one for people to wrap their heads around too, right? It's like, am I happy? <laughs> like just ask that yeah. question, right? Am I really, do I want to be like Steve over there? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? Hmm. You know what? I've been thinking about just even like encouraging children and how important that is. And I think about my dad, or I think about one or two coaches who believed in you. And then I think about coaches who didn't believe me and how I performed, how bad that was. And when I coach Cole, you know, I think about, I was maybe over the top positive, but if there's like, I don't know, the power of positive thinking and getting kids to believe in themselves. So that is something that, you know, I was doing with coaching hockey. And I think that's something that I believe in. It's just, you know, finding that little, giving that kid that spark to believe, Hey, you can dream big. You can believe you can, you can do it if you work hard. And like you, it's so, you know, like, don't be afraid to, to go after your dreams, like that type of thing. I think, and I, you know, I think if, if, uh, that's the future, our children, if we can, they're going to be taking care of us pretty soon. So, um, we can inspire them to, <laughs> to live their dreams. And, and it gets back to even, you know, as we talk about one of the most important things, you know, I think we can do to be, you know, great citizens or great in the community is to do what we are loving to do and what we're meant to do. And you just show up better and inspire other people. And you're not the bitter person. Like, you know what I mean? Like that type of thinking. So, um, anyway, so I think it's certainly, uh, kids. And I think that's something that I was probably, uh, probably I was craving as a kid, like from a coaching side and, you know, and like, I think you can, I don't know, you can probably think of one or two growing up, but there probably should have been more. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of my interviews I did recently, I was challenging somebody on like, how much impact can I really have in this world, you know? And because it sometimes it just feels like overwhelming, especially because whenever I ask this question about philanthropy, I actually talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. I just naturally kind of attract them. And that's who I'm asking to be on my podcast. But none of them say, oh, United Way, for sure, (laughs) United Way. They just don't, you know? Yeah. Most of them say, you know what? I don't really give a lot of money to the traditional nonprofits. Mm -hmm. What I do is I give my time or, you know, I support this initiative or maybe they're creating their own thing Mm -hmm. because... They know that the ripple effect of them just being the example or creating something that actually can create impact. Yes. 
has way more impact than the than the dollar that they can give to that nonprofit that you don't right. know where your money's going. And trust of nonprofits just seems to be waning over the years. For just, sure. You know? Yeah. And you know what? That's I, I, that's the personal side of it. Through Pila, we, like I said, we're member 1% for the planet. We've given back a lot of money to nonprofits, which is great. Yeah. I think, you know, when you see... It's still business, part of the puzzle, right? Yeah. Business as a force of good. Maybe that's a vehicle to help, you know, promote that. But personally, I think it's, uh, you know, it, yeah, inspiring children. Dream big. Go after the dreams. No doubt. Yeah, because I can remember those people too, vividly, who they were. But they were... Mm-hmm on one hand, maybe two kind of thing, you know? It yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't no, it wasn't. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really amazing what one or two people can do <laughs> Yeah, on a positive side and also on the negative side. So, yeah. Next question. What is one thing you are most grateful for right now? Oh, well, our, the obvious one is our health, but just family and health and being able to get close to my perfect day and spend the meaningful, you know, be be here for the kids and not be away in an office. And, uh, but then, you know, still be able to do creative work and, and, uh, you know, work on things that I believe in. Um, yeah, that's, those, that would, so those are the biggest ones. Yeah. Perfect. What is one thing that you're most curious about right now and looking to explore further? I am really curious about our new this we've launched a new product it's a little shameless plug but when (laughs) it's called lomi actually yeah Yeah, it's called lomi and i am so excited about it because getting back to our waste goal like we just kind of stumbled about it i don't know if you want to go into it or not but i mean like no please talk about it i was actually gonna ask you about it you just sure cued it up perfectly (laughs) well i'm really excited about the potential for that in that you know, we kind of came at it two week ways. We set this billion pounds of waste goal. So that's what we're trying to get to by 2028. But, and then we made this compostable phone case, but like not everyone has home compost. Not everyone has industrial compost access. Not every industrial composter will take it. So we're like, okay, we'll take it back. And we started the responsibility economy. So we, you know, take complete responsibility for our products, but you're still butting your head against legislation and like, and they were like, well, maybe we can make something that if we can democratize it or decentralize waste management. So we started working on our own home compost unit and, you know, creating that. And then we stumbled upon, hey, you know what's really bad for the environment? Food waste rotting in the landfill is like 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions. And getting back to the natural cycle, like the worst thing you could, you know, an apple, when you eat the apple, it should go back to the ground. So the seeds go in and fertilizes the tree, it grows like that. But we take this and throw it in the landfill and it creates methane and you know all that but what i'm really excited about is with lomi like we've been we have them we're launching them now very soon uh they'll be shipping very soon the next month ish so uh but i've been testing it here but it's almost like you could see a little miracle every day like you put all your food waste in push the button the next day it's like gone and it's like creating soil it's amazing like and (laughs) 24 hours i didn't realize it was no it's like five hours Holy Jesus. So, really? and now we have this magic little box where you can put our phone case in or other compostable pl- plastic products or packaging or food waste containers for your business that you thought of a long time ago like, for delivery stuff. Like, and then what I'm really excited about, we can control that box. We control the humidity, we control the temperature, control the mixing, we add bacteria, like all these cool things that we can do. And mm. I, I just, but the really thing is it's, it's rewarding when you talk about like, can I really make a difference? Well, when you can see, like you can make, you can actually see the difference when 
hey, I don't have to take the garbage out as often. Like just little stuff like that. It decreases the weight by 80%. And then we're, we're doing a whole carbon footprint. But I'm really excited about the potential for that to be as a platform and other companies to build on it. And and just to incentivize people to actually show them like, hey, you are making a difference. And we actually calculated, we know exactly how much of a difference you're making and making it easy and inspiring kids to, you know, that everything like that. So that's what I'm really curious about pushing. That's that's what gets me excited now, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll be sure to link it up. And um, I watched the the video that kind of is, it mm-hmm. explains what you were just talking about. So I'll make sure to share that with everybody too, because it's really crazy. Like I remember the first time seeing it, I was like, is that possible? Like, yeah. Can you really put these things in there? I didn't realize it was like five hours, but you know, the one thing that really struck me was that like, okay, so at the other end of this, you know, composter, this little thing that sits on the counter in your kitchen is, you know, it creates uh soil. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, but like, you're not going to like put that in your plants in your house, like maybe out in the garden, but then, and then it shows this like little kid, like putting yeah. the soil in and stuff. It's like no smell. I'm like, what? Come yeah. on. I know. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Crazy engineering. It is. And then the, how fast we put it together and built it and shipped it. And like, but I mean, it's been three years, but since the campaign, and I'm also really excited about how many we can test, like we're testing, I don't know, five to 10 different items or recipes a day and like advancing the science. Like that is like, you know, our big crazy goal is to have a Lomi in every kitchen and there'll be, the, it's like a dishwasher. There'll be a point in time where it was before Lomi and after Lomi and how we can actually like, maybe we actually can, you know, design waste out of the human experience where everything can go into that and go back to the earth and whatever, all that stuff. So yeah, so that's wow. exciting. Yeah, no doubt. I actually have a, a friend of mine who has been on the podcast as well. His name's Chris Hawker. I'll maybe connect you to him if there's a good fit there, but he's got a, for lack of a better term, an invention company, but it's like full cycle, right? So like he helps people come up with ideas. He helps people that have ideas, make them come to life. He helps create prototypes. He helps scale manufacturing of like sourcing of parts and stuff. He does crowdfunding stuff. Just a super smart guy and somebody that, you know, these kind of ideas are like, that's what like gets them excited to even <laughs> mm-hmm. talk about. So yeah, for anyways, sure. I'll, I'll send you over a link. And if there's anything we're like, yeah, maybe we should talk. Um, who knows? There could be a connection there to create a wave, a wave of impact there. You awesome. Know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Jeremy, last question. What is one piece of advice you'd give that would help? Sorry, let me say that one again. Mm -hmm. What is one thing? I'm not going to ask you that last question. I actually took that out of my question list. I got to delete it off the sheet here. (laughs) What is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, what scares me? You know, it's as the company grows, it's like, what? where do I fit in? Where does the heart fit in? And as you can tell, I'm excited about that, but it's still, yeah, that's, uh, that's hard. It's hard. <laughs> but like I said, I got, I have amazing partners. We have an amazing team and like, I love the the team stuff and the heart stuff and the vision and the mission and the, and I also love the sustainability stuff. But as we grow, like, you know, we're, we have major plans, like, hundreds and hundreds of employees like maybe you know what i mean like it's not and it's not crazy anymore like it's so i think that is just you know what does jeremy look who's jeremy (laughs) right like that type of thing and is he the you know the entrepreneur is he the 
retired guy who, you know, inspires kids. I don't know. I, you know, that type of thing and what keeps you, uh, that's, those are the daily things that you look at because it's a roller coaster ride. As amazing as it's been, it's, it's, there's still days when you're like hard to get out of bed. Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's the, the old, oh, it must be nice. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, that's, yeah, you can do it. Go ahead. Try. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is nice, but it's hard, that type of thing, but it's worth it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the growth comes in those uncomfortable places. And Mm -hmm. I know you've been through enough of those to know that that feeling is actually a feeling of, uh, of growth. And I think, I think you're wired like me to know that like when that feeling goes away, you feel like something's missing, you know? Yeah. So you almost crave that uncertainty of like, what should I do next? Who am I? How am Mm -hmm. I going to be perceived on this thing? But I think the one thing that came up for me in this interview, and I know you've done other interviews and you've had, you know, you've done videos and you guys have done a great job of telling the story, but like to me, the heart is the storyteller. You are the story. You you are destined to be the storyteller for this company. And yeah. hopefully this interview is a piece of that to kind of unlock you to just be doing more of that, you know, and not from a self-serving place, but just from mm-hmm. a place that, you know, if you say one word and one kid that's in high school that has this aspiration to create that crazy hologram thing that I was talking mm-hmm. about, here's Jeremy Lang talk and it leads him down a path and ultimately be hired by Pila. And that creates. Yeah. That's where I see you, man. I don't know. Yeah, if, thanks. Yeah. And at the, at the same time, if you just, you know, end up coaching little league <laughs> that's baseball, right. that's cool too, because that's you're right. still creating impact, you know? Yeah. But, no, thanks. That's a great reminder about that's where the growth comes in. And that's a good way to look at it. Getting back to the story you tell yourself, like these, uh, these feelings are actually a good thing. I mean, it will be a good thing. We'll make it stronger and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And you can take all those lessons that you learned in the in the hard times too of knowing when to say no as well. I know that's the one thing that's that's really come up for me in the last last year, especially with what in the state of the world even too is like I know I can keep pushing. I know I can and I know I'll be successful because I proved that I did yeah. it, but I kind of just want to hang out and, you know, take my kids surfing and just yeah. just be, you know, read a good book, hang out, not judge yes. myself. And then get back to work. That's right. <laughs> I love it. You know? That's right. And absolutely. Yeah. You know, we get asked, well, how can we move to Kelowna? Like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And, and you know, we have this beautiful head office and a manufacturing facility. And it's, it just wasn't right for our family. It just wasn't. And, how, you know, you wouldn't believe how hard that decision was. But then when you get back to it, then actually it isn't hard <laughs> because that's the most important thing. But I mean, to, to set certain things aside and like, no, that's, that's been about me long enough. Like, you know what I mean? This is what I really want to do. And, and, uh, and that might change, but I mean, that is, uh, you know, where we're at, in, you know, it changes by the year, by the day or by the week. But I mean, I think that's the real, real good thing. What's the most important thing for me right now is what's the most important for the family kind of thing. So, so I look at it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, it's, uh, you made the right decision there, obviously. And um, it's a short flight to get out here. Mm-hmm. And it is awesome out here. And yep. I look forward to seeing you again. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and thank you for doing this. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you, how they can find out more about Pila, find out about all the products, the amazing yeah. products you guys are creating. Pila.earth, that's uh, where everything Pila is. And I'm pretty quiet on uh, <laughs> on social, so... 
If you send Trevor a message, you can get my email, I feel like. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So all yeah. those. Send it all through Trevor. Yeah. yeah. No. All those teenage software engineer aspiring hologram. Yes. Holographics. Yeah. Reach out to me. You're watching this 15 years mm-hmm. from now. Reach out to me. I'll be in touch with Jeremy still. <laughs> He'll be locked down. No external communications. Just doing his thing. That's Hunting, right. Fishing, playing yes. sports. Exactly. So. Good. Thanks, Trevor. Good work. Keep up the awesome work. Wish you the best of luck with with the podcast here. Doing great. It's a lot of fun, man. And I appreciate you sharing your story. And um, we'll do this again. This is never meant to be a once and done. There's always an evolution to this because it's fun to hear the, you know, the things that came up for you even in this conversation Mm -hmm. and where you ultimately take it as well. So we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave.